Hello, and welcome to His Simple Truths podcast series. My name is Greg Mullins, and I'm here with... Tyson Thompson. Hello, everybody. It's been a long time. It's been a few months since we've done a podcast. It's been fun to listen to the feedback that's come back. I want to give a shout-out really quick to a little branch out in South Africa that we've learned has downloaded the podcast, and... um, we're excited to be a part of your lives, even though we don't know you. Um, so this is podcast 10, and today we're going to be talking about, um, so there was a talk given by President Uchtdorf, and it was titled, Your Potential, Your Privileges. And we shared a little bit of the story of that in a prior podcast, but we really wanted to to hammer this point home today. Um I love this quote by Elder Holland. He says, when I think about the recent developments in the Lord's kingdom, it seems obvious that God is taking us upon a soul-stirring journey with hills and vales and vistas so stunning that we can scarcely imagine them until we climb a little higher and there they are before us. I don't know if you can explain our lives any better over the last couple months. Of the hills and vales, the vistas we've seen, um, the Lord's work is moving at a rapid pace right now. Um, and likewise, the adversary's work is moving at a rapid pace. So to kind of start this out, we want to just kind of give the State of the Union. Um, I don't know any other way to put it, but just kind of what we're seeing in our lives um, within the church without the church without outside of the church i think everybody listening to this can agree that satan is rampaging right now as we see things with the abortion laws that are being passed and yeah prostitution laws that are about to be passed just crazy things that are happening all over our nation and other nations we look at countries like venezuela and total disarray right now people being starved and just all kinds of chaos that's happening all over the planet right now Um, and on top of that within the church we're all seeing people who are making choices to abandon the ship and even some that are staying in the ship but they've got an ax and they're chopping holes in the side of the boat. (laughs) Yeah. That's uh, it reminds me of um, president Packer. He gave a couple of talks. There was two of them kind of in a row where he's like, stay on the boat, stay in the ship and the old ship Zion. And man, that was so prophetic. Here he is. He's passed away. What? Four years ago, three years ago. And we're like in a place where we're watching people jump ship and we're, or yeah, or attack the ship, right? Like they get out and they're they're in a pirate ship alongside of us, like trying to blow holes in the ship. We're like, wait, what? You used to be on the boat with us. What are you doing? Yeah. And those guys are bad, but the ones that are actually in the ship still, that are there's there's a lot of backbiting that's happening. Yeah, people just trying to cause disarray, whether they know they're doing it or not. Yeah. And we're also seeing a lot of confusion. People who don't understand the gospel yet, they don't understand the atonement yet, 
they maybe feel like they're unworthy to be a part of God's kingdom or they don't understand different points of doctrine and so it's it's causing them to doubt um, a lot of doubt a lot of fear anxiety is a word that I keep hearing over and over and over again people talking about being anxious the antithesis of peace right um, so all of these things that we're seeing happen that are not good it makes me wonder not wonder but yeah wonder why we're not accepting what the prophet's telling us at this point because the prophet told us to expect this but then he also told us that God's mightiest works would happen between now and the second coming he's taught us to look for revelation to understand our relationship with our heavenly father and with the savior um, so we're going to we're going to spend some time today. We're going to talk about what our potential is and what our privileges are. And it's interesting when I first read that, I was like, you know, privileges? Like, do we really have privileges? Um, and who who is worthy of those privileges? Like, who gets them? Is that something that only Latter-day Saints get? Or who... Who's actually worthy to benefit from those privileges? Um, so let's talk really quick about our potential. So in that talk um, from Elder Uchtdorf, do you want to share the story? Do you feel comfortable yeah. sharing the boat story? Yeah. Should I just, you want me to read it or just talk about it? Just talk about yeah, it. Yeah, okay. So he gave a, President Uchtdorf, in that talk, he gave an analogy, a powerful story, about a guy who had saved all of his money to go on a trip um, and go, go on a cruise and go to the places he'd always dreamed of. And in an effort to save money um, and, and be able to afford the trip, he packed a suitcase full of beans and very humble food. And, um, you know, he, rather than go partake of... The, the great food that was being served and the, you know, and the entertainment that was going on in the boat, he, in between stops or portages, he would go back to his room and sit there by himself and you know, eat his, his very humble food. And this, the last day of the cruise, one of the staff members noticed that he wasn't partaking of those things and asked him actually if he was going to go to the farewell event. And um, he's like, well, I don't really have the money to do that. And the staff member was like, are you kidding me? That was all part of the cost of your ticket. Like it was all included. Almost everything that he had not partaken of and taken advantage of was offered. And so really that analogy is super fitting. I, I actually have a friend who was a mentor in the T-Lustral program of money, but he said something a lot that's, that rings true to me in the in the context of this life, he's like, time's going to go by anyway. Regardless of how you use your time as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or how I use my time as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, time's going to go by anyway. 
So he, his point was, why not take advantage of the time you have and use it towards something productive? And it's such a true principle. Like we can sit here and I know people hate this and some people are even offended that we use this term, but prophets and apostles are using it. So I'm going to use it. If we can sit here, we can just sit here and check boxes, right? Oh, I went to church. I reached out to my ministering families. I checked the boxes like the Sadducees and Pharisees, which Elder Bednar alluded to in a recent conference. Um, we can check the boxes, but are we really becoming the principles that those objectives or those commandments the Lord gave us are trying to help us become? You know, well, President Nelson talks about growing into the principle of revelation. And when he first said that, I'm like, well, my brain hurts. Like, what does that even mean? Like, we use personal revelation, but how do we grow into that principle? And then over the last several months, like Greg said, I've realized, oh, that is a principle to grow into and have direct connection with Heavenly Father. Yeah. So that's a privilege we're living below for sure. For sure. I love that analogy of the, the cruise. So let's put that into our own lives. He prepared and saved and got ready to go on this cruise, right? So we in the pre-mortal existence wanted to come here to earth. This is our cruise. We're here to see things that we haven't seen before, to learn things that we didn't know before. We were excited to come here. So we come to earth and our experience here, we've been given an opportunity to join in the feast of the gospel. We've been given the opportunity to join in the entertainment of the gospel, so to speak. You know, we, all of these things were part of our cruise. Um, and so just kind of give you an idea what I'm talking about. Um, all of these different things like power in the priesthood, personal revelation, one-on-one -on -one communication with Christ, healing miracles, um, receiving peace, casting off the adversary, all of these different privileges that the prophets keep telling us. Elder Iring told us we should move mountains and move rivers and control principalities and powers and, you know, on and on and whoa, on. Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you seriously telling me that a prophet stood up in a conference in his talk, Walk With Me, and said, Greg Mullins can answer the call to be able to have God's power to move mountains, and Tyson Thompson can have the power to move rivers out of their course and to um, defy armies and to control principalities and powers. Like, he, re he really means that? Or is this like, well, someday in your eternal progression, he'll maybe ask you if you feel like it or you can muster enough faith to maybe do something similar, but I don't know. I love how he followed that whole thing up with, now that I've told you this, you have two choices. You can say, oh, that doesn't apply to me, or you can figure out what you need to do to obtain those. President Nelson one-upped Elder Iring by saying, you need to go communicate with the Savior one-on-one -on -one and have him teach you. It's interesting because Greg and I have been lit up, um, and it's okay, personally. Uh, I've talked about how lies have been spread about us, and that's okay. That's all to be expected um, as you 
you know, work towards becoming one with Christ, we're going to have to pass through challenges. And that's the entire book of Isaiah is all about hills and valleys and vales, just like Elder Holland talked about. But it's interesting that as we've been personally attacked uh, on several fronts, um, that it always comes back to one thing, like the people that have attacked us, that attacked the, the Savior um, in his life and the prophets throughout all time, they all say, you can't take the scriptures literally or the words of the prophets literally. Like they don't literally mean that you're supposed to do that. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, pretty sure literally that's what they mean. This is a quote from Elder Uchtdorf. He says, the words written in the scriptures and spoken in general conference are for us to liken them unto ourselves, not for reading or hearing only, too often we attend meetings and nod our heads, that we, and we might even smile and knowingly agree. We jot down some action points, and we may say to ourselves, that's something I will do. But somewhere between the hearing, the writing of our reminder on our smartphone, and the actual doing of it, the switch gets rotated to the later position. <laughs> Brethren, let's make sure to set our do-it switch always to the now position. As you read the scriptures and listen to the words of the prophets with all your heart and mind, the Lord will tell you how to live up to your priesthood privileges. Don't let a day go by go by without doing something to act on the promptings of the Spirit. I love that. And here's the thing. <clears throat> if you just listen to that with the Spirit, the Spirit confirmed to you that that's true. But the challenge is, is that some of us are inclined to go make a list of a hundred things that we don't do well, and we're going to decide all today, today that we're going to do all of them. And we'll drive ourselves crazy, and we crash, and we burn again, and we're like, oh, I can't do this. This is too stupid. But listen to the context of what he said. He said, as you, as you read the scriptures and listen to the words of the prophet with all your heart and mind, the Lord will tell you how to live up to your priesthood privileges. So he's not going to give a cookie cutter, you know, okay, here's all the things you do. You do check all these boxes, right? The Lord's going to be like, in fact, that falls in line with what President Nelson said about seeking to be taught by the Lord himself. Again, you can, you can say, oh, that, that mean just like through the spirit or literally someday, you know, sit in front of the savior, right? As we become worthy, it's, it's either or, yeah. um, but but the living up to our privileges um, and having the spirit with us every day, the Lord, and this is what's been so cool the last few months that the Lord is doing for me. I was talking to Greg about this this morning. He, it's hard because all Greg will be talking about what the Lord's having him do. And then I'll start to do the natural man thing and go, well, I'm, I'm not doing that. Uh, that must mean I'm not worthy. Right. And the Lord's like, no, that's Greg's program. Your program is over here. You do the things that I told you I want you to do. And I'm like, oh, my straight and narrow path is, is layered inside of the greater straight and narrow path. Um, and it's different than what Greg's straight and narrow path looks like, but they're all leading in the exact same trajectory towards him because he's asking me to do things that aren't what Greg struggles with and vice versa. 
So I just want people to hear that because I don't want people to go out and like, okay, I'm going to make a list of 100 things and I'm going to do all these things. And then pretty soon you're burned out because you're trying to do it by the natural man way yourself instead of letting the Lord lead you along step by step. Like, I hope you heard what Tyson just said. There are too many people right now worried about what everybody else is doing. They're worried about what their leaders are telling them or not telling them to do. They're worried about what their spouse thinks of them or doesn't think of them. They're worried about what the person down the road is going to think of what they say or don't say. We are at a point where we have to learn to receive personal revelation for ourselves. We have to understand that there is a Savior, that Jesus Christ is begging us at this point to, to let him into our lives. Like there are people who are lost and wandering right now that have no self-esteem because of social media, because they're listening to all of these voices all around them. Because they come to church where they should feel safe and they're getting pummeled by members of the church in their own ward. Yep. That's happening. And we need to step back and realize the purpose for that happening. Why is it happening? Yeah. Like, we, we have to understand that this is Satan's hour. This is where it's prophesied that he will be unleashed at the last day. And the purpose of that is so that the sifting can happen. This is decision time. We're almost past decision time. Like, really, at this point, you have to decide whether you're going to believe Christ or not. A lot of people believe in him and believe that he spoke these words, but they still haven't been able to figure out how to take it from their head, that knowledge, to their heart and actually believe the Savior. Elder Bednar said in his talk, he, he talked about unbelief. So unbelief can mean a lot of different things. He talked about the the father that went to the Savior and asked him to heal his son. And it says straightway the father cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Elder Bednar says, I've reflected many times on this father's request. Help thou mine unbelief. I wonder if the intent of the man's pleading was not primarily to help him believe in Jesus as our Redeemer and in his healing power, he already may have acknowledged Christ as the Son of God, but perhaps he needed help to believe the Master's healing power indeed could be so individual, so personalized as to bless his own beloved Son. He may have believed in Christ generally, but not believed Christ specifically and personally. We often testify of what we know to be true, but perhaps the more relevant question for each of us is whether we believe what we know. That is so profound. Maybe we should ask if we believe what we know. And believe that it applies to us, meaning to you as an individual, not and obviously us to a peep as a people, but specifically to you as an individual. President Nelson 
hammered that home as well. And this is another one of those examples of, well, we can either believe that this applies to us or we can believe that it doesn't apply to us. And if we believe it doesn't apply to us, we're probably going to go through some unnecessary trials in order to, to figure it out. But here's what the prophet said. He said, I urgently plead with each of us to live up to our privileges as bearers of the priesthood. And you could insert as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints. In a coming day, only those men who have taken their priesthood seriously by diligently seeking to be taught by the Lord himself will be able to bless, guide, protect, strengthen, and heal others. And I would add sisters to that as well. Only a man or a woman who has paid the price for priesthood power, and sisters have priesthood power in their endowment or in their covenants. Um, that was me adding that in. Um, only a man or a woman who has paid the price for priesthood power will be able to bring miracles to those he or she loves and keep their marriage and family safe now and throughout all eternity. Like, that's pretty clear language. And again, Greg and I get attacked, and when we get attacked, it's we're only saying that we're trying to apply what the prophet's teaching us. Do we really believe in Doctrine and Covenants when he says whether it's by my voice or the voice of my servant is the same? I was going to lead into that, into that uh, quote from the prophet with that scripture, so I'm glad you brought that up. Like, here is our prophet, the watchman on the tower, standing up in front of all of us and saying, brothers and sisters, you have to go to this place. You have to believe me. You have to believe the Savior that the time for apathy has passed. These are the last days. This is the final gathering of Israel. This is happening. I called you up as a youth battalion. I called you up as men of the priesthood. I called you out as sisters in your meeting. It's time to step up and accept the help that's being offered to you. Elder Uchtdorf says, The blessings of the priesthood transcend our ability to comprehend. Faithful Melchizedek priesthood holders can become the elect of God. They are sanctified by the, renew by the Spirit unto the renewing of their bodies. What does that mean? You should go follow the footnotes in that talk and find out what it means to have your body renewed. Guess what's coming? The terrestrial kingdom. Guess what needs to happen before you can go in the terrestrial kingdom? Your body has to be renewed. Figure out what that means. And can ultimately receive all that the Father hath. And then he says this, This may be hard to comprehend, but it's beautiful, and I testify that it is true. Like they're not mixing words. They're not wanting us to sit back and check boxes. It's time to step up and go to work and take advantage of the blessings that are available to us. Um, I think it would be appropriate to go through some of those blessings that are available to us. For sure. I think the big one that I want to lead off with that I think incorporates well into all of them, if you don't mind, <clears throat> is the understanding. We've talked about this before, and the clarity in my mind is even more clear now. Um, and this quote from Elder Eyring will, um, will, I think, will drive home this point. Um, we need to have the Spirit with us. 
like the prophet says that. We have to have the Spirit with us and be taught by the Lord himself, which when we're being taught through the Spirit, we're being taught by the Lord. Um, I had that piece of revelation come to me one day in the temple. He said, when you're conversing with me in prayer and I'm responding, you're conversing with me through the veil. That's called revelation. That's what that is. And I was like, oh, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so the President Eyring said he was talking to, in general conference in that same talk about moving mountains, etc. And he says, if you have felt the influence of the Holy Ghost today, you may take that as evidence that the atonement is working in your life. For that reason and many others, you would do well to put yourself in places and in tasks that invite the promptings of the Holy Ghost. Feel the in, feeling the influence of the Holy Ghost works both ways. The Holy Ghost dwells not in, un, in an unclean temple, and the reception of the Holy Ghost cleanses us through the atonement of Jesus Christ. So if you've felt the Spirit, even if you have sins that you're working through or shortcomings and those kinds of things, you can take it as evidence the prophets, a prophet is telling you to take it to the bank that the atonement of Jesus Christ is working in your life. And if you're not feeling the Holy Ghost, it's literally as easy as turning to the Lord and saying, Lord, I did something. You may not even know what it was. I did something to separate myself from the light and from the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry. Can I please have the Holy Ghost back and feel your love for me? And it will come. And that process repeated over and over and over and over and over again is called repentance. And when you know that the sacrifice you've brought to the Lord of a broken heart and a contrite spirit is acceptable to him and that the atonement is working to cleanse you or it has cleansed you, then nothing will hold us back from the blessings that have been talked about by the prophets that we've discussed so far in this podcast and in the other ones we've done. So when we talk about repentance, I know people who repent often. Lord, forgive me. I'm an idiot. I did this. Lord, forgive me. I did this. All right. I'm speaking of myself as that idiot. <laughs> Lord, <laughs> forgive me. I've done this. Lord, forgive me. I did it again. Lord, forgive me. I did it again. I was doing that cycle one day and I paused long enough for the Lord to get word in and he said I already did and I was like wait what sorry Lord forgive me he's like I already did like what do you mean you already did it's like I forgave you you just asked me to forgive you I did and I was like what well will you forgive me I already did <laughs> like this comes back to the principle of believing Christ right he is standing by waiting to forgive us. It's already done. He's already forgiven us. One of those privileges that's available to us is forgiveness. Like he wants to forgive you. It doesn't matter what you did. It does not matter what you did. I promise you that. Even people who have killed receive forgiveness from the Savior. <gasps> That's another taking the scriptures seriously because Ammon, when he taught King Lamoni, learned that King Lamoni had killed people and he was forgiven. And the entire nation had the course changed because one king in that land received, accepted, accepted and, and believed what the Spirit was teaching him. 
That's right. It doesn't matter how far down the rabbit hole you've gone, Satan's rabbit hole. You can receive forgiveness. Last week in Fast and Testimony meeting, a brother showed up, and he was in a, some jeans and a plaid coat and looked out of place when he walked into the back of the chapel, him and three of his friends. And I was, I was curious. I was like, who is this guy? Right? Wanted to know who he was and what his story was. Well, he got up and bore his testimony and talked about the fact that after being way down that rabbit hole, he realized it was wrong and pleaded with the Lord to forgive him and talked about his experience of the Lord doing that very thing of forgiving him and him accepting it. And now his quest to make it back to the truth that he knew in his heart. It doesn't matter what you've done. The Savior has already forgiven you. And right now is begging you to accept his forgiveness. That's one of your privileges. And if you don't accept that, like it's up to you at this point. You have to make the choice, right? He's not going to take your agency away. But peace is available to you right now, no matter what you've done. Is there consequences of certain things? Yes. But the second you turn your face to the Savior, you're being bathed in light and peace and joy and hope and love. And for a lot of people, that privilege by itself if they would step up and just grasp that one thing would absolutely change their lives forever. Yeah. One thing that came to my mind as Tyson was, was talking about that. And as I just said that I heard the savior tell me that I was, that he had forgiven me. Multiple people that I've talked to over the past couple of months have told me, how do you know when the Lord's talking to you? Like, I don't ever hear the Lord's voice in my head tell me things. Does that mean I'm not worthy of it? Why don't I hear Jesus talk in my head? Why don't I hear Heavenly Father talk in my head and tell me things that I'm supposed to do? So that piece is personal revelation, right? So let's kind of go there next. I think it's important for people to understand that you have to learn how to hear the voices. And we talked about that in one of the prior podcasts, that there are different voices in your head. And I can now discern when the Savior's talking to me. I can discern when the Holy Ghost is talking to me. I can discern when Heavenly Father's talking to me. I can discern when Heavenly Mother is talking to me. And if you would have asked me a year ago, two years ago, I would have said the spirit was talking to me, right? And lumped everything into one big sum. And the spirit talking to me was a burning in my bosom. That's how I knew that I was hearing the voice of the spirit. But I started asking to know them individually when the prophet said I could. I was like, you mean the prophet said I'm supposed to talk to Christ and he's gonna teach me directly but I'm supposed to pray to Heavenly Father. So how am I supposed to talk to Christ directly 
that's is that blasphemy? <laughs> like the scriptures say, pray to Heavenly Father. And I was like, well, you know what? The prophet said it. And the Lord said in the scriptures that his voice was the same as his voice. So I'm going to start talking to, to my Savior. And so I did. I literally started talking to Jesus Christ. And guess what? He talked back. Oh, that's weird. Because in John chapter 14, the Lord says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the, wor- the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live you shall also live. Like, what? You can talk to Jesus Christ. You have permission. Not my permission. The prophet's permission and the Lord's, the, permission. The Lord's permission himself. You can, you can talk to him and ask him for help. You can go to him and say, Lord, I, I messed up. Will you forgive me of those things? And guess what? He's going to talk back. If you really believe that he's there, he's going to talk back to you. And I challenge you to do this. Say, Lord, I'm really sorry. Do you love me? Just ask him that question. I wish I could have your report back somehow. Right. (laughs) Of what the answer is. Exactly. It's such a blessing, too, because... I have the same experiences that Greg's had independently of him. Actually, I was completely out of communication with the outside world for 28 days. And maybe someday I'll tell the story as to why. But during that time, um, I, I learned the same principle. And um, I remember not long after I got back home, I was driving somewhere. And uh, I just wanted to check in. And this may sound... You know, may sound like I'm a heretic, but I don't really care because this is the true nature of the Savior. In fact, Joseph Smith said, if men do not comprehend the character of God, they do not comprehend themselves. So I'm driving along, and like Greg said, I pray to the Father, and and I converse with the Lord, and I also converse with the Father too. But I'm driving along, and, and I'm like, Lord, are you there? And he's like, I'm here. I'm like, oh, good. I thought you might have went away. And he's like, you didn't do anything to offend me or the spirit. So I'm here still. And I was like, okay, do you need anything? And he goes, do you need anything? And I'm like, oh my goodness, he has a sense of humor. (laughs) And then he's like, I'm like, well, I don't think so. And he's like, okay. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, I love you. And he's like, I love you too. And that was this like simple nature of a very sweet conversation with the Lord. And I'm like, I'm like completely for like a half an hour afterwards. I'm like, did that just happen? Like, and so I check in again. I'm like, you still there? He's like, you know, I am. Why are you asking? I was like, okay, if you need anything, will you let me know? He's like, I'll let you know. So it's it seriously becomes that genuine of a relationship. It doesn't change my reverence for him, my respect and love, and you know for him. Uh, it just has made him way more real than he's ever been, undeniably real, and way more personal, personable, and 
my relationship with him is such that it's unbreakable. That there's nothing that there's nothing that would ever lead me to intentionally offend him again or cause him more pain. So how do you how do you get that? How do you get that privilege, right? The only thing that stops you from getting that is unbelief. And the only way to overcome unbelief is to exercise faith. So here's two knuckleheads on a podcast telling you that it's possible. But your prophet told you it's possible and your savior told you it's possible. So now all you have to do is take that seed and plant it and try it out. Go to him and if you have to say, Lord, I believe, forgive thou mine unbelief. Help me to get over this. I'm, are you there? Do you love me? Ask those two things. Just sit and wait quietly. And the first thing that comes to your mind will feel like a voice. And my experience was, and your experience may be different, but you'll have an experience if you go with real intent. He will tell you that he's there. I testify in his name, even Jesus Christ, that he will tell you he's there. So we're not telling you to stop praying to your Heavenly Father. Christ taught us to pray to our Heavenly Father, and that's what we do. He's who we go to in prayer. Conversing with the Lord is different, in my opinion, than going to your Heavenly Father in prayer. Heavenly Father is still who I speak to when I kneel down to pray. Sometimes I cross that prayer and add the Savior into it, and he's happy to join in, in my experience. But you have to test it. You have to be able to step forward and say, okay, I'm going to give it a try and see if this is real or not. And I promise you that as you do that and you ask your Heavenly Father and your Savior to reveal things to you and help you to know whether they're true or not, something as simple as knowing what their voice sounds like to you. They will do that. They'll teach you that. Um, miracles are waiting. We're in the Come Follow Me right now. We're in the, the section where we're learning about all the miracles that the Savior did, right? Healing the sick, casting out devils, resurrecting people, all of these mighty miracles that the Savior did, which he said mightier miracles than these will be done between now and the second coming of the Savior. He said that through his prophet. So have these miracles ceased? I want to testify that they have not, that the Lord and our Heavenly Father are begging us to step up and accept the priesthood power that they that we already hold. We have already have the authority. We just need to gain power in the priesthood. So what does that mean, power in the priesthood? Well, I, it's awesome that you just asked that because I was asked to... I never say teach a lesson. I say facilitate a discussion in my home ward uh, regarding priesthood power versus priesthood authority. And as I did, John chapter 9 came to mind, which is the story of the Savior healing the blind man. And I love how that story starts. So the Savior with his apostles um, walk up to the blind man 
And one of the apostles asks, Lord, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And the Savior's response was, neither this man nor his parents, but that the glory of God may be manifest in him. And then he made spittle of clay, anointed the eyes of the blind man, and then told him to go and wash. And he was healed. But that's only, that's an illustration of priesthood authority and power that he was healed. What's interesting is that we see priesthood authority on display because the Sanhedrin pulled this man in, this blind man who was healed, and they basically cross-examined him for a pretty long period of time and questioned this miracle that has happened. And they're saying Christ was a sinner because he healed on the Sabbath. And so they had priesthood authority because they were of the they had Levitical priesthood. They were priesthood holders in the church who had priesthood authority, but they didn't have priesthood power. And they were angry because they wanted the people to look to them as men and say, oh, they're, they're the priesthood authority. In fact, that's illustrated in the story that his parents, the blind man's parents, were afraid to testify because the Sanhedrin, who were the governing body of the church at the time, and the priesthood authority could kick them out of the synagogue. Basically, they were afraid of excommunication from the church because of the testimony they would give on behalf of their son. So they actually deflect and say, well, he's of age, ask him, you know, we don't want to, we want part of this, but we don't want any part of this. <laughs> okay. So that's priesthood authority, which the Sanhedrin had, right? And then there's priesthood power, which the Lord had priesthood authority and priesthood power. That's why the Sanhedrin is upset because this Christ guy comes onto the scene and he's doing miracles with priesthood power and priesthood authority. And it was taking away their perception of what power was and controlling the people. And Christ was telling them that they could have the priesthood and work miracles. And they didn't like that. And that's what's happening now. It's happening within the church. We're seeing people who are steeped in the traditions of the gospel and the prophet, the Lord's mouthpiece right now, is tearing down those traditions. He's pulling things out that are stopping people from working toward their own salvation. So priesthood power and priesthood power and authority are two different things. If you just have authority, you don't necessarily have power. So when I think of power in the priesthood, I think of where that power comes from. So we know that we receive our power in the priesthood from the Savior, that it's his power that we're utilizing anytime we heal somebody or bless somebody. So we're taught to become one with Christ. And he says a prayer to his father and says, help them to be one in me as I am one in, as I am one in thee. That indwelling principle of actually having the spirit of Christ in us, power in us, living our lives in a way that we put off the telestial anchors, the telestial blocks that are keeping the Savior Spirit from dwelling within us. Like you can literally just look at your life and say, would the Savior be here right now? In whatever moment you're in, you're sitting in a movie theater, 
would the Savior be in there? You're listening to music. Would the Savior be listening to that music? Your conversation with another person, would the Savior join in this conversation? If you can say yes to all of those, you have power in the priesthood because Christ is indwelling within you. If you can't say yes, then you know automatically that you are stopping priesthood power. The flow stops the second you step into a place the Savior can't go. And that's, it makes it for me, it makes it really simple for me to know whether I'm doing it right or not. It's just an easy check-in. And now it's to the point where I feel that's when I first started thinking about power in the priesthood, I was literally checking in. Would the Savior be here? Would the Savior be here? Would the Savior be here? Now I feel his presence with me. And when I step somewhere I'm not supposed to step and I feel that spirit leave, my whole soul mourns immediately. And if I said something that was offensive and the spirit left, I have to repent quick and make sure it comes back. And that's the point that we need to be at is to where that spirit is with us. And trust me, I screw up a lot. I'm very good at repenting quickly. <laughs> that's what we talked about. Remember exact obedience, right? If you have two circles, two, two concentric, well, two, one circle inside of the other, the smaller circle inside is all the commandments and the outer circle is repent which bounces us back to the commandments, right? So that's the bigger commandment that, hey, keep all these commandments. But when you mess up, repent, and you'll be back in my graces and with the Spirit. Yep, that's right. So power in the priesthood allows us to do what the Savior would do if he were in that situation. So let me give you an example I have a, Tyson and I have a good friend. His name's Craig. We actually met him through the podcast. He had listened to a podcast and then um, reached out to us. And since that time, we've become really good friends. And um, I was driving home from work one night, and I had an impression to call Craig. And so I called him. I'm like, hey, how you doing? He's like, oh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm in bed. And this was at like 6, 7 o'clock at night. I was like, you're in bed? How come you're in bed already? He's like, oh, I, I hurt my foot and I can't walk on it. And I was like, oh, well, that's not good. I'll, I'll pray for you. You know, just kind of said it a little bit off the cuff, but I meant it. I wanted to help him with that. And he and I conversed, had an awesome conversation. He taught me some things. There was a reason why I called him. Um, and that night as I... I knelt down to pray. It came into my mind again to pray for Craig and his foot. And as I started to do that, the spirit stopped me and said, why don't you give him a priesthood blessing? And I was like, because he's not here. <laughs> like, how am I supposed to give him a priesthood blessing if I can't lay my hands on him and give him an anointing and, you know, all of that. And the spirit was like, give him a priesthood blessing. And I was like, okay. So same way I would give any other blessing. He didn't know I was giving him a blessing, but the spirit told me to do it. And so I did it and um, gave him a blessing that his foot would be healed. And felt very, very strongly through the spirit that that, that would happen. 
Well, the next morning, first thing I get a text from Craig and he's like, just out of curiosity, did you pray for me last night? Like you said you would. And I was like, funny you should ask. I went to pray for you and the spirit told me that I should give you a blessing instead. And he's like, Greg, my, my foot's healed. Like the Lord performed a miracle for me last night. And this is, this is a man who's so in tune with the spirit. He teaches me on a regular basis. But he was weeping because a miracle had just been performed for him. And he said, this is the first one that's been performed for me. I've seen them happen for other people, but this one was for me. He was literally to the point where he couldn't walk on that foot. He was canceling appointments. He was getting ready to go into the doctor because he thought his foot was broken. And that healing happened. It took place for him. Not because I'm some special person, but I I had a prompting come into my mind, and I listened to it. And I called him. And then I had another prompting that came into my mind to give a priesthood blessing. I didn't know how to do it. I'd never done it before. And I did it. And healing happened. A miracle happened for simply listening to what the Spirit told me to do. I think that this bears repeating again. But listen with the Spirit and think about the the story that Greg just told about Craig and that healing. And listen to what this quote from the prophet says. I urgently plead with each one of us to live up to our privileges as bearers of the priesthood. In the coming day, only those men who have taken their priesthood seriously by diligently seeking to be taught by the Lord himself will be able to bless, guide, protect, strengthen, and heal others. Only a man who has paid the price for priesthood power will be able to bring miracles to those he loves and to keep his marriage and family safe now and throughout eternity. Greg just described to you his journey of learning to be taught by the Lord himself. And that teaching is leading us to one place. And it can be called fringy and people can get upset, but it, it bears repeating. This was reminded to Greg and I by a friend of ours named Dan that this journey is taking us to one place, and that's to enter the presence of the Lord. And you can go look up talks by McConkie and Brigham Young and Joseph Smith about calling an election and the second comforter experience. Um, And we're not going to talk a bunch about them today. But that's where this is leading us, so that the fulfillment of one of my favorite scriptures happens, that when we shall see him, we shall see him as he is because we shall be like him. That's where this is taking us. That's where the Lord is asking us to go, to qualify for the next level of blessings in order to pierce the veil, to see more clearly what our mission is, to go gather Israel, and to bring scattered Israel in to Zion. We're literally building Zion right now like it's already started we are building Zion within ourselves and then we start to go out and gather and bring people and teach them and become one in mind one in spirit with other human beings 
after we do it with the Savior. So that indwelling principle, power in the priesthood, get the Savior into you by checking in. Would the Savior be here? Would the Savior be here? Would the Savior be here? And then once he's there, I promise you everything changes. Like you walk through Walmart and somebody who irritated you before, you have compassion for them and you ask the Lord to bless them in that moment. I was walking through a parking lot and I saw a man in his car that looked distraught and he did a stupid thing with his car. There was a time when I had been like, idiot, what are you doing? But immediately it popped into my head, Heavenly Father, please bless him. Help him with whatever burden he's carrying right now. Because I knew through the spirit that he was carrying a burden. Like everything changes when you receive power in the priesthood. And sisters, this goes both ways. We're not just talking to men right now. In fact, let me share another story. We've talked about Sherry Hughes on multiple podcasts. Well, Sherry has had her entire life a problem with asthma and bronchitis. It was so bad that she couldn't go to church anymore. She couldn't go to the temple anymore, which she loved being a temple worker because perfumes and all the different things would get in her lungs and and cause her to have massive asthma attacks. We we witnessed it happen. And uh, she got to a place where she believed the Savior that she could be healed. And so she reached out to priesthood holders. She reached out to other people that she loved and cared about and asked them to fast for her and pray for her. And then she received a priesthood blessing and was healed of that asthma and bronchitis, literally healed. And we've enjoyed having her in church with us for the last couple of weeks, something that she hasn't been able to do for nine years. Like that blessing of the priesthood goes both ways. Whether you're a brother or a sister, you can claim the power of the priesthood. Um, It's a privilege that's available, right? And waiting for you to accept it. We're getting kind of close to the end of this podcast. One thing that I really wanted to touch on today is light again we talked about light in other podcasts but we are now entering a period of darkness right everything's darker the media is darker everything's darker as you receive christ into your into yourself as you receive that power in the priesthood and that's sisters and brothers if you haven't been to the temple sisters go to the temple Listen to the changes that just happened. You hold the same priesthood that the brothers do. Christ is giving us light to repel darkness. And you have the ability to step into somebody's presence that is depressed or anxious or confused. And if you're carrying the light of Christ and you step into their presence, that darkness will, will be pushed back. And they'll have an opportunity to listen to you at that point without the anxiety, without the depression, without the influence of Satan controlling them. The prophet is begging us to receive that light and go give it to other people. To be able to be a beacon to those who wander to and fro in the earth looking for truth but are not able to find it. 
we have the opportunity to be that light for someone else, to be a savior to someone else by, obe by being obedient. Not even, I don't know why the word obedience bugs me. Like it's a good word, right? But the savior is not sitting up there on a mountain in a throne saying, do what I told you and then I'll give you blessings. <laughs> like that's the wrong picture. The picture is, I know what the Savior would do, and so I'm going to do that, and he's going to be with me because of that. I'm going to get to carry his light with me because I'm putting myself in places that he would want to be. Likening scriptures unto ourselves, think of the phrase, with what, in the context of what Greg just said, think of the phrase, saviors on Mount Zion, which is us those who have God's authority and his power who have been called to a holy calling and foreordained to this calling to come forth in this day and do just that to go and be saviors on Mount Zion to other people. And maybe, maybe you need to be your own savior first, right? There's a lot of people listening to this right now that are probably thinking, well, I'm not worthy or I'll never get to where those guys are. I'm never going to be able to do that. That's 100% a choice, right? It's not going to come overnight. This is a process that we go through and you have to just make a choice that you want it. And then you have to go to your Savior and say, Lord, I would love to be a part of the gathering of Israel. But right now, I don't even feel like I'm gathered. <laughs> I feel like I'm standing on the outside. Will you help me? I testify to you that if you do that, if you go to the Savior and say, Lord, help me. I want to believe all of these things, but right now I I don't, I'm not feeling it. I'm not there. Please help me. I promise you that he will embrace you and tell you one little thing that you need to do. And if you'll do that one thing, your light will increase. And then he'll give you another one. Now do this one. And if you'll do that one thing, your light will increase. And then you say, okay, Lord, now what? And then do the next thing, and do the next thing, and then do the next thing. There'll be simple, easy things that he asks you to do. He's not asking you to raise Lazarus or part the Red Sea right now. He's asking you to study the Come Follow Me lesson, maybe. Or to get up and help your wife with the dishes, or to, you know, to talk more softly to your children. Or, I mean, it's, it's one, any one of a million things that's your curriculum that yep. the Lord has for you to do in order to show that obedience to his voice in order that you can hear his voice a little better and hear it a little more clearly and have a little more power and a little more ability to follow. Think of, think of the man on the ship. You're on the cruise. Don't sit in your cabin and eat your beans and drink your lemonade when there's a feast that's already paid for. And all you got to do is walk out of the cabin and go to the feast room and eat whatever you want. 
Don't be the guy that sits in the cabin and looks out the window and says, man, I wish I could be experiencing that. Walk out of the cabin and go experience it. This is the most glorious time to be on the earth. I hear people tell me all the time it's scary. It is not scary. When the Lord is in you and with you, it's not scary. It's exciting. Watching all of the things unfold all through the world, these things that have been prophesied for thousands of years, it gets me so fired up. Like I'm just excited when I see these things happening. I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm excited to be called to be one of the ones to go out and help other people, to give light to other people. What a blessing that is, right? To have light. We're talking about the fulfillment, the literal fulfillment of something that we take for granted every week. When we come to church, we all sit in sacrament meeting and we hear the Lord through his servants at the table, at the sacrament table, and he gives this prayer. O God, the eternal Father, we ask thee in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, to bless and sanctify this bread or water to the souls of all those who partake of it, that they may eat in remembrance of the body of thy Son, and witness unto thee, O God, the eternal Father, that they are willing to take upon them the name of thy Son, and always remember him, and keep his commandments which he hath given them that they may always have his spirit to be with them. The Lord is encouraging us to forge that unbreakable bond with the spirit so that we always have his spirit to be with us, that we know all the time where we are is where the Lord wants us to be, doing what he wants us to be doing. And the moment that we do something silly to kick us out of the light, and worry us a little bit is a perfect opportunity to do that thing called repentance and get back in the light. And you don't step off the path and have to start over at the beginning. If you repent quick enough and don't go down the rabbit hole of the adversary, you get to step back onto the path exactly where you left it and keep going. That's right. Gospel's true, brothers and sisters. We're going to have to end the podcast now. We've already gone over, but We've got quite a few topics that have been submitted by listeners that we're going to be going through as we do some more podcasts down the road. We just wanted to kick that back off with just a reminder of who you are. You are literally sons and daughters of God, and he loves you and wants to be a part of your life. And we're entering into a period where you need him to be a part of your life or you're not going to make it. We are literally preparing for the second coming of the Savior for the terrestrial kingdom. It's time to make a decision. It's time to get off the couch. It's time to go take light to the world. I bear testimony of that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I just add my testimony that uh, of what's been said and what Greg has said. And the Lord is standing by waiting for you to turn to him. And he will help you. He said, I won't leave you comfortless. He'll be there. He'll help you to get up and keep going. But you have to develop that relationship with him. Stop prescribing to the false doctrines that are so rampant. Stop prescribing to the philosophies of men that are mingled with scripture and prescribe to the personal revelation you will receive for your life. 
and the Lord will lead you along, and he will help you to attain exaltation and salvation with him by teaching you as an individual what you need to do to qualify. And I bear that testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God be with you till we meet again.